Hello, and thank you for listening to Engage with Eagle Forum. I am one of our hosts, Kirsten Hassler. In this episode, I am joined by my colleague, Tabitha Walter, as we interview a mother-daughter duo, Kelly and Courtney Litvak. In our discussion, we recount the Litvak's first-hand experience in sex trafficking. While this topic is of utmost importance and we wish to help raise awareness of this terrible problem facing our country, listener discretion is advised. Please be aware that our conversation may not be appropriate for younger audiences. With that in mind, we hope that you enjoy this episode of Engage with Eagle Forum. Today we are joined by Kelly Litvak, the Executive Director of Childproof America. Her daughter, Courtney, is also with us, and she is a Childproof America Ambassador and Sex Trafficking Survivor Leader. So why don't you guys start out by just by telling us a little bit about Childproof America and what you two are doing. So uh, my background is actually juvenile justice. I authored a book for teenagers, so I had quite a bit of bit of background history in working with high-risk youth. But in 2016, some predators actually made contact with my daughter uh, through her school, through social media, and that uh, began a very painful and year-long, multi-year-long journey of which I I felt as a parent, I really had no choice but to do something about this issue and step into the gaps that we experience as a family to equip families across the country and to just equip families across the globe. Today, this atrocity has a revenue generating $150 billion globally. And so the key is prevention, education. And as a parent who walked through this, I feel that I really have no choice but to be public and to equip other families and and just grandparents and parents and and kids to understand this very fast-growing criminal industry called human trafficking. And as Childproof America ambassador and as a survivor leader who firsthand experienced the heinous organized crime that is human and sex trafficking, I myself came into Childproof America as the ambassador and took on that role around August 15th of the last year when I was still in the life and I was missing, my family didn't know where I was, in the very short instances that I did have contact with my loved ones to keep face. I was completely against the idea of ever working as a mother-daughter pair and giving a perspective of human trafficking when I myself could not self-identify that I was being trafficked or that I was engaged in this organized crime that in my mind was, you know, such a different reality from the one I was living where in return sex trafficking is exactly what had been my reality for years prior and would still be my reality and my mom could always see when she found a childproof america back in 2017 this is what we were meant to do as a family through what we experienced was to educate empower and equip others so that they could not fall victim to the crime that had infiltrated our family what drew you into that lifestyle and how you were preyed upon by um by predators What's so important to understand is, first of all, that I was raised in such a loving home that I had the support of my family, of good friends, of good influences. I attended church on a weekly basis, and I was in one of the top-ranking school districts in the country since my kindergarten years all the way through high school. So where, where did I fall off? Where was the time period in my life, the season in my life, that left me susceptible and vulnerable to being a target for human 
sex trafficking in my small suburban community outside of Houston, Texas, which at the time I was unaware was a hub for sex trafficking. During my years in high school, they began on a very steady track where I was very focused on my grades. I had a great peer group surrounding me. And later on, after my sophomore year, I ended very long relationship that had ended very abruptly and I was seeking closure from that relationship in unhealthy ways, none of which which came off as a red flag to my family who understood how the heartbreak of that relationship and I soon became involved in an abusive relationship with an older person and this abusive relationship led to a traumatic event where I was sexually assaulted and this just left a void in my spirit, in my heart, in my foundation where my moral compass was shot. And I was free falling through life, searching for something to grab onto. And people saw that. Uh, People could see that I was in a vulnerable state of mind. And I was approached in my high school by seemingly friendly people who claimed to have my best interest, who would accept me for the person who I had become and wouldn't ask me to change. And these are the people who opened that door in the initial contact to people who were going to lead me into the life of human trafficking. And I could never have foreseen at that time in my life where that path would take me and what the road it would take my whole entire family and all my loved ones on. And as a parent I can also speak to that season when this all began and we were very aware of what had happened and the trauma that took place in our daughter's life and we we as Christians put her in a Christian counseling group and we really felt that you know she needed Jesus to heal and we are huge Christians and we believe that that there's so much power in that but what we didn't understand at that time is how complex trauma affects the growing and developing mind. And we we were not aware of that. We did not know what complex trauma was at that point. And so my husband and I were just doing the things that we thought our daughter needed to heal and move beyond that season. But unfortunately, the, the downward spiral was swift and we were recognizing and discovering some behaviors that were typical of a teenager going through trauma, such as some drug use, some alcohol use, but we were not aware at all that traffickers had actually made contact with our daughter. And even though I had a background with high-risk youth, and in fact even wrote a book for teenagers, I myself was not aware of this issue, and therefore it progressed quickly into the grooming stage. And by the time we were made aware through a tip that a pimp was going to take our daughter, she was already so far deep into the brainwashing that we had to take drastic measures and actually pull her out of her high school and send her out of state. And we hoped so much that that program that she entered in another state would be the answer and the resolution to help her work through that trauma. It was so important because we wanted our wonderful, beautiful daughter to heal, but she was also about to be 18. And so we felt so much pressure and we just prayed through that time and read books and prepared ourselves to when she returned home prayed and prayed that it would be the answer but indeed it was just the beginning of our nightmare so you went through counseling and then you came back home where what happened next and how did you end up where you are today in in this capacity advocating for so many other people who have been through such a tragic situation 
So upon realizing that I was being sent involuntary to a program out of state that was in fact a wilderness program, all that did to me was solidify the lies that had been filled in my mind by the pimps, by the groomers, by the people who had been finessing my trust, who had disguised themselves as friends, as people who were trying to help me get through a hard time. These were people who only were attracted to me through my newfound reputation at school and who saw a window to exploit my vulnerability. I believe those people over the people who had loved me my entire life. That was how far deep the mental control was at this stage in my life. And all that did was push me further and further away from my family every time they try to help. Because there was such a lack of resources and knowledge on this issue. First of all, we weren't even identifying this as sex trafficking. I didn't understand the full extent of the word and the definition of a pimp. So moving on, when I had become enrolled in this program, you know, our motto was fake it till you make it. This was a program that was not catering to the needs that I had and dealing with the trauma I had experienced earlier on in life all the way up to the point that had led me into this program and being unenrolled from school my junior year. And once I returned home, I saw I had a window of opportunity when I was about to turn 18. And that is what got me through that entire program is knowing those people People will be there waiting for me, my real friends, the people who are going to help me build my future, the people who will make sure I can be successful in the state of mind and who I am becoming right now is acceptable to them. And they are the only ones who will love me for who I am. My family no longer cares about me. They're trying to force me and tell me what to do. And I believed these lies. Like I said, I was free falling. So as soon as I had seen any opportunity I could just grab onto without question, I extended my trust to these people. And upon returning home, that is when I had turned 18 and some of the people I had been talking to made good on their promise to get me out of my situation, which was get me away from the people who would hold me accountable, get me away from the people who truly had my best interest. But, you know, I justified it. I thought I was grown. I said that I knew what I wanted for my life and I was going to take action as a just turned 18 year old. I knew what was best for the rest of my future. So months before having college visits and seemingly planning a normal future, this had become my reality and I made good on my promise to myself believing this is what I wanted and I left days after turning 18 and I got in the car and as soon as I got in the car with these people I realized all the time invested up to that point was to get me in their physical control and realizing what had happened. In that moment, I wasn't quite sure what was going to take place after relinquishing that physical control over to these people whom I'd, some I had never met in person. Until that moment, this was all done through social media, the communication. I realized in that moment I had lost all control of the situation and that they were going to make good on their investment in time. And the investment they were making was for a profit of $500 is what this person had been promised in order to hand me over to my first trafficker. And my first trafficker was a female. And so what I really use my story to tell people and the things that I'm very careful to to not infringe on and things that I do go into more detail about is because I want to break the stereotypes. There's so many stories that have been told. Every story is unique in some way. Every story has constants. Every story can be similar in different ways. But people need to understand there's these false stigmas out there. The, there's stereotypes and the fact that the a female can be a predator, the female can be the target, the victim. But 
it's also vice versa when it comes to males. One in five victims are male. Four in five are female. And that a female can also be the perpetrator. So my first trafficker was a woman who herself had gone through the life. And so what traumatized hurt people tend to do is they hurt and traumatize other people. And that was the life that did become my reality for years to come. And going through that journey, I realized that it was one of those experiences where I didn't believe that I could hear from other people who wanted me to not have to go through that pain to learn such a hard lesson, but that indeed learning this lesson the hard way is what humbled me to realize you know, the truth in this dark, dark world, that if I had not experienced and gone through this life, I could not help other people in return and to be able to shine a light in the darkness. And I give all the glory, not just to my family and to the people who stood by me, no matter how much I pushed them away and I pushed them away. And I said that I didn't need help. I didn't want to be saved. But I really give the glory to my faith, which never wavered. And God, I should say, God never never gave up on me. I gave up on him a few times uh, because I didn't believe I was worthy. I never asked why me. I always felt it was my fault that I got in the position I was in. But realizing after being in that life for so long that I was made for so much more, I had to come to that realization myself. You cannot help people who do not want to be helped and who do not want to help themselves and put in that work. So up to that point, I had to get to the realization that I needed to change. I needed to change my environment and I had to get out of the situation I was in or it truly was going to cost me my life as it should have hundreds and hundreds of times and that I was still alive for a reason and I took the initiative to get myself out of that situation and I came back. But when I came back, I was physically home, but I was emotionally absent. I was a shell of the person that I once was. I was a shell of a human being. I had no identity aside from the life that I had known for the past several years. I had unlearned everything from that point before I got involved in the lifestyle of pimping and trafficking and prostitution had been unlearned because that is how severe and in-depth this brainwashing is. As this becomes your vocabulary, it becomes your environment, it becomes your normal, it becomes your reality. And so to acclimate back into society was seemingly impossible to me. I was not ready to take on and fully accept all of the trauma and the horrific experiences I had been through to that point. I knew what I had gone through had almost cost me my life in so many different instances and I knew that it was wrong and that there was something that I needed to heal from but having to relive all of that again and even the things that led up prior to that being bullied in school in middle school and elementary all the things that lead up to making a person a target to predators who seek to exploit individuals solely for their own personal gain and to have that power over another human being I couldn't accept that that had happened to me and realizing that I was going to continue in a downward spiral unless I intervened in that cycle and I abruptly decided to end the cycle that had been spiraling out of control for years. Once I took on the responsibility that I needed to take control of my own healing and my own journey before I could help anybody else heal from the same things I had gone through, I realized that I had a severe wake-up call. And that wake-up call was a blessing in disguise, but at the time I never would have labeled that experience as a blessing in any form or shape of the word. 
When I was arrested in back in early 2019, that was the wake-up call that I needed to get my life back on track. And that experience could have been used for one of two ways. That could have been used for Satan's purpose, or that situation was going to be used for God's calling on my life. And that is the path that was shown to me, and I knew that was the only choice that I had in order to get my life back and not just be surviving through life because that is what I learned how to do so well is just to survive on a day-to-day basis but I wanted to live again and I took control of that took control of the narrative of my life which I had not done in such a long time and I felt I had no power over but I took that power back and the refuge for women was my saving grace after my arrest I was able to go and enroll in this inpatient program that is aftercare for the sexually trafficked and exploited and that program changed my life and I always speak so highly of the refuge for women because it worked for me and I've seen it change lives and programs that are based on long-term aftercare is so important because that's what helped me reintegrate back into society is learning how to hold a steady job, how to make legal income and be okay with making an amount that I wasn't used to, but knowing that it was mine and that I didn't have to sell my soul to make some change. Just changing the whole narrative and the whole perspective of my mindset on the things that I did that I did have rather than looking at the things that I had lost made all the difference and I was so grateful to be able to learn that I had become such a stronger and more empowered version of the self that I once was which seemed so long ago but that I never could have become this woman who I am sitting here today without going through these things and that I'm grateful for the scars because without them I wouldn't have known who God was and I wouldn't have known who I was and who I was capable of being and to so many people to be a voice and use pain for great purpose and that is what was shown to me once I experienced healing in my own personal life then I could be a voice for others And so that leads to where I became involved with Childproof America afterwards. And that's when I was given a platform to be that voice of someone just to say that I get it, I understand, I see you, and you are not alone. It's so phenomenal to hear that you came out of that and you found help and you found healing. I think there are a lot of families out there like yours who think, well, this couldn't happen to me or my family. And, and you talked about how you had a good Christian background and you were involved in good things initially. So can you speak to the parents who have no clue that this could happen to their family as well? So I will definitely be the first parent to say my attitude prior to this was never, ever my kid. I don't even need to really understand what this issue was. I kind of heard the buzz about it a little bit, but I really dismissed it immediately because I I said to myself, I have trained up my child to understand right from wrong, to understand safe people and dangerous people. But I can tell you I was very naive and underestimated the power of this crime. And I believe if a parent says, not my kid, or I don't want to hear about this issue, I get that. But it really puts families in a vulnerable position themselves if they are not truly empowered with the knowledge of what this crime looks like. First of all, a child, young adult like my daughter, uh, can be lured 
through that scenario, experiencing a traumatic event and then being lured into this life through brainwashing. But it's also important for people to know some other methods that traffickers use. And one of those is sextortion, which is actually a, a, a term that law enforcement uses. And that can be you just exchange an inappropriate image of yourself on social media. You think you're talking to somebody your own age and, oh, you're falling in love and you trust them and this is cool. And then they turn around, and they say, if you don't give me money, if you don't do this, I'm going to release that photograph to your family, to your high school. That's called extort- or sextortion. There's other ways that predators can get control of their victims as well. In one instance, there's a survivor that I know that was on a college campus and she was approached by some some women and a modeling agency and it looks so legit that I truly believe I myself would have fallen for it when I was in college. Another method is somebody's at a party, they're drinking a bottle of water and somebody can drop GHB or Roofie uh, Molly into their drink and it's 10 times stronger than Valium and then they're kind of out of it and somebody can record some things and that's another way to get control. So it's so important for parents to remove the idea of not my kid because this happens to good girls. This happens to good all-American girls. And one of the reasons that predators are coming into the suburban communities is because they they are expecting families to really have their guard down and really believe that this is not something that could infiltrate their bubble in their beautiful community, in their really great schools. We just need to remove that and we need to say this is what we are facing now in society. But I will say that we have a very, very committed administration in the White House with uh, Ivanka Trump, who has met with us several times and is really spearheading the effort to increase funding for innovative programs to help prevention and also Uh, crisis intervention, as well as President Trump signing uh, the executive order to increase funding for prosecution and do some other things online. We are incredibly fortunate to have an administration that is very serious about this issue and very serious about keeping American citizens safe. For that, I am incredibly grateful. Kelly, you talked about the different ways that young women can be approached by predators. Do you have tips for these girls when they're in that situation and what they should do? Every girl and boy, because we have definitely worked with males as well, you have a gut. You have a gut instinct. And if somebody is promising you the world and trying to separate you from your authority in your life, like your parents, your grandparents, your coaches, your close friends, if you feel in your gut as a young person or a young adult that somebody is exploiting you, you have got to talk to your parents. You've got to talk to a trusted adult. You you cannot isolate yourself because once you're isolated and that emotional control sets in, it is extremely difficult to come out of that. Be aware uh, who you're talking to. Understand that if they're making promises that are unrealistic, go with your gut and know that they're most likely trying to exploit you. Stay close to your friends, stay close to your family and talk to people because it just takes one conversation that can change the course of your life forever. So something that I talk to with the kids and the families and the parents and the guardians that I mentor and that I do talk to about this who have been personally impacted or their 
child has been a target or their child has actually been taken into the life of sex trafficking is you have to question people's motives, especially in today's day and age. Ask yourself, what do my parents have to gain? At the end of the day, when they, when I feel that they're trying to control my life, they're trying to tell me what to do, what is their base basis, central motive for doing the things that they're doing? Because when I was being parented through this difficult time by my family, I felt that it was all out of the motive to control my life, but really it was coming from a place of fear and of love, unconditional love for their child that they were willing to do anything that they could to pull me back on track with limited resources and knowledge that they had on what was going on with their daughter at the time. And I asked people, what do your parents have to gain? Have they had have they established trust with you throughout your life where that you could come to the conclusion that maybe you disagree with their parenting, but you can respect them as your parents and understand this is coming from a place of love. Now these new friends who seemingly befriended you out of the blue when you went through a traumatic experience or posted online that you were angry at your family or that you were looking for a place to stay or you were posting risky pictures or something out of the ordinary. What do these people have to gain from befriending you all of a sudden? What do these people have to gain from separating you from the people who hold you most accountable? What do these people have to gain by bringing you into a new life and saying they're going to put a roof over your head and take care of all your needs? Okay, what's in it for them? Because there is always a motive. And whether it's ulterior and it is a hidden agenda, it will come to the surface and the truth will be revealed. But will you be able to catch on to that before it is too late and before you have fallen for this? Because so many people do and I did. Well, Kelly and Courtney both are, are inspirations because you have been through something that no family should ever have to go through, yet you are making the most out of the situation. So I think what would be really helpful for us is what's next in this fight and what tools are being given to us to help combat this? Childproof America has a very comprehensive training that we provide across the country. It is powerful. My part that I present is the who, what, where, when, and why. It's the foundation of this issue of sex trafficking. And then our ambassador, my precious daughter, she tells her story through pictures. And the combination of both angles from a parent and a survivor is absolutely powerful. That is where our heart is. We want to ensure that no household in this country says, what is sex trafficking? We want to equip the masses and we do that through our public speaking. Next, we have a program that I am so excited about because it was an exact and very definitive gap that we experienced when our daughter went missing. In the first 40 days, our story was went viral perhaps because people thought, not not the Litvak family. Mm. That's like the all-American family. My gosh, the mother's in ministry, the father's in ministry, they're Christians, blah, 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 just X, Y, Z. I believe that's why so many people took notice of our story. But as a result of that, everybody that works in this space reached out to my husband and I. Oh, you need to, you know, hire us. You need to, you need to contract us. You need to engage us. We do extraction. We do aftercare. We do this. And I'm telling you, when you're a parent in that state of mind and you have people coming at you with so many resources, it is so overwhelming. You can't navigate that. It is something you, you can't understand unless you walk through this. And you're working so quickly to try to make life and death choices for your child, but you're really quite ill-equipped to understand what does your child need? Who do I trust? Who are the best? Who does who who engages in best practices? 
And believe it or not, even through this time, we were financially exploited. People came to us and said, we guarantee the safe return of your daughter within 72 hours if you just write this check. And of course, we would have done anything as a parent. And so we wrote that check. And it breaks my heart because people will actually exploit you and try to profit off your desperation. So our Family Guides program is that crisis intervention for parents when their child goes missing and identified as trafficked. We match them with a trained and vetted volunteer who will walk alongside that family for up to 90 days. We'll give them a roadmap of resources that they're going to need that are local, state, and national. And we support them through meal delivery. We support them through prayer teams. That is a direct response to what we walk through. When we kind of got months down the road and realized that Courtney was an adult and that If we try to grab her physically, we could actually be charged with kidnapping. You know, I just poured my my soul, my heart, my time, my energy, my thinking into doing something about what we went through. And that Family Guides program is so critical that we get that implemented in Texas first and then we can scale it. And I think every major city across the country needs to have that program to provide that care for those families. Uh, when they're in that crisis situation. And I'm very passionate about that. And then another initiative that we have is we are partnering with 50 Eggs Films, who is the creator of I Am Jane Doe, now on Netflix. And we will create a documentary about how social media is being used to gain access to our kids, also gaming systems as well. So we are going to empower our families in this country with the knowledge of how predators use social media because we did hear that today predators prey where kids play and that is so critical because 80 percent of predators get access through the device that kids are receiving on average at 10 years old so that is our third initiative and we are incredibly committed we're incredibly honored and very grateful for the outcome of our daughter because we have families that we've worked with that they lost their kids to this crime. And so we are one of the very blessed and very fortunate, and I don't take that for granted ever. We have our daughter. She is healthy, and not only is she healthy and alive, but she's thriving. We have a lot of information on our website, childproofamerica.org, and we are very active on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So we have a wonderful digital content director that oversees all of our scheduling and all of our posting of all of our events and just information. And we post missing kids uh, to get the word out there. So definitely go to our website and, and sign up and follow us on Facebook. And there you will be able to see where we are speaking and be able to understand a lot about this issue and to find out when Family Guides will be in your city. Thank you so much for your work in this space. And please join us, listeners, in praying for this initiative Mm -hmm. and for the millions of of innocent lives that are are trapped. Mm -hmm. And thank you for listening to this episode of Engage with Eagle Forum. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. From your house to the state house to the White House, this 